investing in property makes sense. Investing in the right property takes knowledge. Welcome to the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. I'm Jared McCabe, Director of Wakeland Property Advisory. Join me for expert insights into the fundamentals, trends and opportunities to help you create long-term wealth through smart property decisions. Hi everyone and thank you for joining me for episode 19 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. So the market continues to go from strength to strength at the moment. We're seeing very, very strong numbers. The clearance rate is consistently hovering above 80% uh, and the auction numbers are certainly well in excess of 1,000 per weekend. So with the uh, opening up of open for inspections, um, which has been a a great relief to all within the industry, it makes things a lot easier to function, to be not needing to arrange one-on-one private inspections uh, to show every person through certainly enables agents to get more buyers through and, and, and enables the market to function far more normally. So it is starting to feel far more like a, uh, a traditional spring market at the moment, which is great. Um, but certainly these strong market conditions are, are leading to uh, any number of emotions to buyers that continually miss out. So FOMO is a big one. There's quite a bit of angst and disappointment um, and sometimes even regret and anger when uh, when buyers are continually missing out on properties. And what we're finding is that people that in the past may have only had to have uh, one or two attempts in order to successfully purchase are finding that they're missing out on four or five properties before they're uh, successful in terms of their uh, their search. And, and as a result, the frustration clearly builds when that's the case. Um, and so buyers tend to then begin to consider what their options are. So can we really afford to buy in the area that we want to, or do we need to start making compromises um, on aspects of the property? Um, and if so, what should those proper, those compromises look like? So where where perhaps can we have a little bit of flexibility to uh, in order that we are starting to be looking like to be a bit more successful? So buyers will um, quite often take a step back and, and try and consolidate their options. And they're typically looking at different aspects of the property um, to see where those compromises could be. So we look at a couple here. It might be the property type that they're considering. So perhaps you've been con- really focused on trying to secure a, uh, a detached house uh, and maybe as a result need to can start to consider perhaps a semi-detached one of a pair or even a detached house if it's in the form of a terrace house in the inner city suburbs. Um, some buyers will go from stopping looking at a, at a house and perhaps starting to consider buying a townhouse, for instance, and, and having a degree of common property, but still enabling them to have the amount of accommodation that they're after. Um, some will go from a, a townhouse to looking at perhaps a, a mid-century villa unit uh, in a block of four that might be slightly smaller, but still gives them some outdoor space uh, and still means that they're in the same spot. Uh, and others might even go from considering a villa unit to looking at an apartment, perhaps with a, a nice little courtyard or a good balcony as an option. The other consideration that buyers will make is, is the size of the property itself. So do we really need to have four bedrooms? Perhaps we could deal with three, perhaps with a study or maybe with a second living zone would be adequate. Um, do we really need the second bathroom? Maybe one would be enough, particularly if perhaps we've got two toilets. Um, Living space is always a big thing. Do we really need the third or the second living area? Perhaps if the the main living space is is large enough, um, that would be adequate for what we're after. Uh, So these are all considerations that people will make. And another one that we find a lot is the style of the property. So people can be very focused perhaps on a, a modern property, wanting it to be if not brand new, very close to. Uh, So perhaps it's a consideration of, well, maybe we look at something that's a little bit dated, but certainly very livable. And then down the track, once we've um, built up a little bit of equity in the home, we can afford to do a renovation to bring it up to that standard that we're after. 
Um, or others might be looking um, perhaps at a more of a period home and, and have been focused on a Victorian or an Edwardian house and, and may need to consider perhaps a, a Californian bungalow um, in a 1930s style or perhaps going to a, a mid-century type property. Um, some buyers are, are very focused on making sure that they only buy brick uh, and maybe they need to start to consider weatherboard. So these are, are all things that uh, are compromises that, that buyers start to look at when they're looking for um, opportunities to, to make sure they get into the market. And then the final one that we'll, we're, I guess, going to discuss in far more detail today is the location. Now, that might be the position within a suburb and perhaps you need to be a little bit further away from a village or from public transport. Um, perhaps you need to be on a slightly busier road than, uh, than perhaps in, in one of the quieter streets or perhaps in a, a secondary residential street rather than being in one of the prime residential streets in the suburb. Or, um, as we're going to go into detail now, perhaps I need to move out of that suburb and move into a bridesmaid suburb. Now, what is a bridesmaid suburb? Well, typically um, the main suburbs, um, are the highly desirable suburbs, are referred to as the bride, and the surrounding suburbs of that bride are the bridesmaid suburbs. So, for whatever reason, they perhaps um, might be looked upon slightly less favourably than the bride suburb, and this could be due to factors like Perhaps the, uh, the housing styles are, are considered to be slightly inferior to the, the bride suburb, um, or perhaps public transport linkages aren't as favourable. It might be that the train goes through one, whereas you've got to rely on trams um, through the bridesmaid suburb. Now, that might not be ideal, but perhaps it's still something that you could live with depending upon how regularly public transport's um, used. It could be something around streetscapes in that the bride suburb has a more green feel, whereas the, the bridesmaid suburb perhaps doesn't have that same feel to it. Um, or there might have been differing levels of gentrification, and that's something certainly to keep an eye on because that can develop over a period of time. Um, if you look at suburbs like, say, um, Thornbury and Preston going out High Street from Northgate, the, the quality of the... Um, of the retail strip along High Street has continued to gentrify a lot, particularly in the last 10 to 15 years. So those that have pushed a little bit further out are now reaping the benefits of that gentrification process. Um, or perhaps they just don't, some of the, the bridesmaid suburbs just don't have the local village that, that perhaps the bride suburb has. So um, there's a lot of these considerations that come into play. But to a degree, the interesting factor is that most suburbs are likely to be considered a bridesmaid suburb to another somewhere along the line. So if I use an example here, um, one of the one of the inner northern suburbs that is highly regarded is Northcote. Um, in its own right, it's a, a very desirable spot to live. Uh, there's a lot of factors that, uh, that draw people to that suburb. And some of the bridesmaid suburbs to Northcote would be considered to be Thornbury, uh, Fairfield in parts, perhaps even Preston. Um, however, Northcote itself is also considered by many buyers to be a bridesmaid suburb to North Fitzroy or to Clifton Hill. Um, so there's there's all these sorts of things that, that come into play when, when considering this. There's not many suburbs around um, any city that are, are not considered to be a bridesmaid suburb along the line to another. So in Melbourne, for instance, Turak, East Melbourne, um, the Domain Garden precinct of South Yarra, um, and even Albert Park to an extent, they're all not likely to be considered a bridesmaid suburb to any other suburb because they are at that elite level. Um, so when should buyers start to consider perhaps a bridesmaid suburb and when should they look to perhaps avoid it in terms of what, what makes it um, suitable to, to consider that and when should they stick to what, they, um, what they've originally prioritised? Well, we'll look at this in two parts. So we'll look at it from a home buyer's perspective, but we'll also look at it from an investor's point of view. So 
from a home buyer point, um, are you going to be able to replicate the key aspects that drew you to the bride suburb in the first instance? So what were the key features that, that drew you to that suburb in the first instance? And if you look at the bridesmaid suburbs around that area, can they be replicated? Now, they may not be identical, but they may actually still offer what you need them to offer. So let's look at, say, public transport, for instance. Um, Perhaps you aren't able, you can look at, say, Hawthorne versus Kew. Um, Now, Hawthorne has a great train line that runs through, and you've got Hawthorne Station, you've got Glen Ferry, you've got Auburn, there's a lot there. Whereas you go to Kew, um, and Kew relies on the trams. So is that something that, that could still be adequate for a period of time, that you could look at that as an option? Um, or, or perhaps it even gets to the point of relying more on buses than trams or trains. So public transport's important, but depending upon how regularly you use it, um, does it need to be something that's a, a prerequisite to have exactly what you were um, initially after? Um, parks. Now, particularly for some of the inner city suburbs where people are looking for um, perhaps smaller houses because they want to keep that cosmopolitan lifestyle, but as a result of having the small house, they really rely fairly heavily on public open space. So proximity to parks is a, a really important aspect for people. Um, and so if you had a specific park in mind, again, you might say, you know, pick a suburb, North Fitzroy, and ideally you would love to have been near Edinburgh Gardens because it's such a highly sought after area. But could we move a little bit further out and still replicate that um, perhaps around Fairfield um, in the uh, Yarra Parklands, that sort of thing, which still offers fantastic open space, but perhaps isn't that necessarily the exact park that you were hoping to be close by. So is that an option that could be considered? And then the next one from a, um, a bridesmaid or a location perspective is around a village. So um, some suburbs have a, a fantastic local village, and if I move that little bit further out, it may not be identical, but does it still offer something that will provide me with the local baker, green grocer, um, news agent, cafe, that sort of thing that I can go to to get what I need and feel like I'm part of a community. Um, so that's that's certainly something to consider. Now, the next one is the style of the property. Um, so again, period homes are quite a common um, requirement that people are looking for, particularly in the inner city suburbs of Melbourne. So will you be able to uh, replicate that in the next suburb? Um, now, you may not be able to, for instance, get a Victorian home, but maybe there's, as we said earlier, an Edwardian or perhaps a Californian bungalow or an Art Deco, um, one of a pair type home. So there's differing types of period homes. They still offer nice high ceilings, decorative cornicing, open fireplaces, that type of thing. But perhaps it's not the exact identical type of dwelling that you were originally looking for, but it still suffices in terms of giving you that, that period feature. Another common one that, um, that home buyers are really conscious of, particularly probably more in some of the middle ring suburbs around Melbourne is school zones. So perhaps you um, may have been looking at a very specific school that you wanted to, um, to get children into, um, but maybe that, that school zone does go over into the next suburb. So although you were focused wholly and solely on being in that suburb, if you still fit within the zone, you may well be able to go into the next suburb uh, and still get uh, what you were after. Um, or could there perhaps be an adequate substitute in terms of a, a, another really good school? It may not have been the, um, the one that you were originally hoping for, but it still uh, is a got a high high quality reputation and would suffice for what you're after. The other consideration also, again, for a lot of Melbourne, um, is that 
if you are going out into a um, a, a bridesmaid suburb and you are able to say a uh, sorry save money in terms of your purchase price, does that then open the door to perhaps send a child to private school if that was an option for you as well? So there's different considerations that can be brought into play. And then the other, the final one is around: does it could it potentially offer some opportunities? So. Um, could you go to the, the bridesmaid suburb, the next suburb out, and find that all of a sudden now we can afford to buy something that's got a bit of extra land or it's got an extra bedroom or it's got a second living zone? Um, those types of things. Or perhaps we don't now, we now no longer need to do the upgrade or renovation ourselves. We can buy something that's already um, ready to go and has already been done for us. So these are different considerations that can come into play when you're looking at it from a home buyer's perspective. So let's now have a look at it from an investor's point of view. And obviously, as we always say, the key difference here is um, looking at it from an investor's perspective versus a home buyer's point of view. And as an investor, it's not about what you do and don't like. It's more about what the market wants and what the market expects in that suburb. So what type of property does the market want in this suburb? And that may well differ um, from the, the bride suburb that you were originally considering. Um, just because you can't replicate exactly what you were looking for in the bride suburb doesn't mean the bridesmaid suburb isn't a good option to consider. It just may mean that you might need to tweak the property type that you were considering. So perhaps, for instance, you were looking at a terrace house in North Carlton. Um, now, you move out to Thornbury and you can't get a, uh, a terrace house in there, but all of a sudden you get a great Edwardian that's on an extra 100 square metres and has a bit more space to it, still in a consistent street. You're not right near Rathdown Village, but you're close to High Street and you're close to the train line. So there's there's other options there that still make it a really good um, property for a, from an investment point of view, but it's not the traditional that you were looking for back in, in the North Carlton type area. Um, but it could it still offers what you're after. So you're still getting multifaceted demand from a buyer's perspective. So the capital growth is still going to be strong. There's still good tenant demand for that type of property. And it's still likely to attract a similar type of tenant, perhaps maybe a young family or a, uh, a couple that's planning to have children at some stage. So it's still attracting a similar type of of buyer and a, a similar cross-section of, of buyer demand, which will drive that capital growth longer term as well. Okay, so just in summary, when you are looking at bridesmaid suburbs, just make sure that you are going to get the outcome at the end of the day that you were going into when you were considering the bride suburb. So if it's a home, um, are, am I going to be able to achieve the lifestyle that I was originally hoping for, perhaps with some slight compromises, but still get the type of property that I was after and achieve the lifestyle that I wanted? And if I'm looking at it from an investment point of view, am I still going to be able to achieve the capital growth that I wanted, the rental return, the quality of tenant that I was um, seeking by looking in the bride suburb? And if you can achieve those objectives, then looking at a bridesmaid suburb should definitely be something that, that is considered uh, and not keeping the blinkers on and focusing solely on that bride suburb. Okay, so today's story, um, it's actually a fairly current one. It was some clients that I worked with earlier in the year, home buyer clients, um, a young couple looking to buy their first home. Um, they loved the inner northern suburbs of Melbourne, as a lot of people have at the moment. They seems to be one of the hottest markets that's that's been going this year. Um, and they were really focused on what they wanted and they had a particular focus on Thornbury and Brunswick as suburbs. They were very keen to have three bedrooms, one bathroom. They wanted the property to be very livable um, so that they could move straight in, but they were 
actually wanting to be able to add value and improve it and put their own touches to it. So they didn't really want something that had been recently renovated. They wanted to add value down the track. They certainly weren't afraid to do some work. So they'd missed out on a couple of properties before they came and sat down with us originally. Um, so we went through everything with them and, and had a look at things and then started the search. And I quickly realized once we started the search on their behalf that with the way that the market was moving and what they were looking for, that they were very much borderline in what they were hoping to achieve. And borderline in a rising market is not a good thing. Um, you're highly likely to keep missing out on properties. And so um, that's ended up what happening. We, we had a go at a few in the areas that they wanted and we missed out on them. Some only just, but others considerably. So we sat down one Saturday afternoon after an unsuccessful attempt just to discuss options and to review. Um, and we went back over, I asked them a lot of questions about their priorities and what, what they were really hoping for and why they originally liked Brunswick and Thornbury. What was what, what drew them to that area? Um, what types of properties did they like? Why, why did they need that much land? Why did they need that building size? What was the requirement for that many bedrooms? All those sorts of things. Um, and after a sort of half an hour conversation of going over everything, it came to light that um, I thought Coburg still met with all of those options that they'd been considering. So I suggested it. And initially, they were certainly very hesitant. It wasn't what, where they wanted to be. Um, they had very much focused on Brunswick and and, um, and Thornbury, and that's what they, they wanted to do. Um, they weren't comfortable or weren't sure, I should say, about the access that Coburg had, the streetscape uh, in terms of styles of properties, um, and whether or not the village that they were they liked in Brunswick and in Thornbury would be able to be achieved. So I gave them half a dozen streets in and around Coburg and a couple of um, good cafes and things to go and have a look at and suggested they did that that afternoon and have a drive down those streets. And they came back to me on the, the following Monday and said that they were happy to consider the southern parts of Coburg, so south of Bell Street, um, because they felt that it replicated fairly similarly what they were after. So we did find one um, and initially and, and went to the auction. And unfortunately, with an absolutely extraordinary result, which was happening on a fairly regular basis earlier in the year, we got beaten again. Um, but they they saw and understood that the that the process was, um, was certainly a lot closer and it was on track. So I then managed to come across another property that was off market um, in Coburg. It was only just over the border from Brunswick. So um, very almost, you would almost consider it a Brunswick property. Um, and it offered, um, it had been recently tenanted, so it was a little bit rough and ready, but certainly very livable. So that certainly gave them the opportunity to add value. The land size was great. The, uh, the number of bedrooms was what they were after. So we, with a bit of back and forward, um, we managed to secure that property at, at what we felt was a very good price. And certainly if it had gone to market, felt we would have been paying a lot more for it at the time. And they were over the moon, um, agreed with everything, really understood um, after we'd worked through it why Coburg was such a good option um, and didn't feel like they'd compromised too much by going to the, the bridesmaid suburb. They still felt like they were achieving all of their goals um, that they had been initially looking for. So um, it was great. They, they actually purchased something at a cheaper price than what we were looking for um, and understood the benefits of, of looking at an alternative area. So that's about it for today's episode. Thanks for joining me for episode 19 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. Uh, as always, feel free to share the podcast with friends and family. We'd like to continue to circulate it as wide and as far as possible. But if you would like any further information on how to make rewarding property decisions, please visit our website, wakeland.com.au. And we wish you all the best with your property decisions.